All right, Shabbat Shalom. All right, so uh, as we get started, I wanted to first start off with a joke that my mom told me uh, just a few days ago. It, it just it went so well with this week's uh, lesson. So <laughs> essentially, there's these three pastors, right? And they uh, decide to go out, out on a retreat together. So they're out on this retreat and they're having dinner and they're just talking about the various things that you know kind of annoyed them about you know what's going on in their congregations and maybe some of their personal struggles and stuff like that. So um, as they're talking, the, the first pastor, he, he leans over to his friends. He's like, you know, guys, I need some prayer. I've, I've been having some problems looking at, you know, things that I probably shouldn't be looking at on the Internet. And I'm just I'm having a tough time. And it's such a such a, a struggle and a temptation. So if you guys could pray for me. And the second one pipes up and he's like, you know what, me too. I, I also I've had kind of a drinking problem, not necessarily an alcoholic. But, you know, after I preach and just the just the immense weight of everything, I just. I haven't been turning to God. I've been turning to alcohol, and so I just, I just need a strong drink. And uh, then the third man, he he leans in, and he kind of is getting a little jittery as he's, you know, he's about to confess what, uh, you know, he's going through. And he says, "Guys, I gotta tell you something. Uh, I, have a, I have a, I have a problem with gossip. Uh, I'll see you later." <laughs> so, anyways, in continuing our uh, lesson today, and. In James chapter 3. Uh, before we jump into that, what are some things that we learned from last week's lesson uh, in chapter 2? What are some things that you guys remember that, that stuck with you? Man, we didn't learn anything? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, no worries. I know it's been a long week. I actually have the, uh, the slide here. So we, we learned that favoritism or partiality has no place in the body of Messiah or in our assembly. Favoritism can come in many forms. Whether you know he's wealthy, he's more scripturally literate, he's more spiritual, you know, stuff like that, right? Also, faith without righteous, biblically ordained actions is not faith. What it is is cloaked in something else, being self-righteousness, showmanship, placation of one's guilty conscience, or simply you are misled. And finally, a person is saved by grace and rewarded by works, by actions, by 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 obedience, right? So in continuing our, our, our study, uh, actually before we get into it, I want to also share something with you. Uh, now, <clears throat> I grew up overseas, and uh, I know sometimes I talk about this a little bit much, but it was a big chunk of my life. And uh, while we were there in Germany most of the time, we didn't have regular television, thank God. But we, but we did have something called AFN, Right? It's not America's Most Funniest Home Videos. What it stands for is the American Forces Network. Now this might be nostalgic to some of you that have been there and perhaps you're getting some flashbacks and things like that. But they had these commercials, right? They didn't have regular commercials. They had these kind of homemade commercials by military personnel. And they're like so, so cheesy and just cringeworthy. But the thing was what they were intended to do was to show service members and their families what to do and what not to do. And today I'd like to show you a few of them.
That's not what right looks like. I'm glad this day's over. I'm ready to get home. That's what right looks like. We're gonna do this risk assessment for the stand down, all right? Right, sir. Okay. You're not gonna kill yourself, are you? <laughs> Negative, sir. That's not what right looks like. Right, I'm gonna ask you some questions and I want you to be honest with me, okay? Right, sir. Okay, how many times have you been before? Once for you, sir. Okay, there was a while back you had some trouble off post. You wanna tell me why you think that happened? Right, sir. I was having a tough time there for a while. That's what right looks like. Good times, man. You're female to you, huh? Get you some of that. How you doing? I'm the welcoming committee. That's not what right looks like. Cool party, bro. Good times, man. It's a new soldier in the unit. That's Corporal Smith and her sponsor, Sergeant Jones. Hi, I'm Sergeant Park. Welcome to the unit. That's what right looks like. That's not what right looks like. Good to finally put a face with the name. Welcome to U.S. Army Europe. Thanks, it's good to be here. That's what right looks like. So that's my childhood. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so what right looks like, right? That is essentially what James is trying to get across to the intended reader of this book. What right looks like, what a holy people should be doing, right? And like Gabe mentioned a few weeks ago when we first started this book, it's not overly theological, it's not difficult to understand, and it's, uh, it's fairly straightforward. So with that, I would like to go ahead and start our reading in the book of James, chapter 3. Chapter 3. It begins, Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, since you know that we will be judged more severely, for we all stumble in many ways. If someone does not stumble in what he says, he is a mature man who can bridle his whole body. So right off the bat, we get a warning here that not everyone should search to be a teacher, who should, should strive to be a teacher, because we will be judged more severely, right? So, Here's the thing, God takes it very, very seriously when we, speak, when we speak on his behalf, and even how we speak on his behalf. A good cross-reference for this, this chapter and this verse, really, would be, let's go with Deuteronomy 18.20. You'll, you'll turn with me there real quick. Deuteronomy 18.20. Deuteronomy 18.20. Deuteronomy 18.20, it reads, 
But if a prophet presumptuously speaks a word in my name, which I did not order him to say, or if he speaks in the name of other gods, then that prophet must die. You may be wondering, how are we to know if a word has not been spoken by Adonai? When a prophet speaks in the name of Adonai and the prediction does not come true, that is, the word is not fulfilled, then Adonai did not speak that word. The prophet who said it spoke presumptuously, and you have nothing to fear from him. So this is very important. This is why if, if we're going to someone, if we go to someone and we say, hey, God told me this, or hey, God told me to tell you this, be very careful because in doing so and speaking on his behalf, you may be incurring a stricter judgment on yourself by doing so. Now, let's go ahead and continue. Um, James is going to go ahead and use some illustrations about the tongue. We'll pick up in verse 3. It reads, If we put a bite into a horse's mouth to make it obey us, we control the whole body as well. And think of a ship, although it's huge and driven by strong winds, yet the pilot can steer it wherever he wants with just a small rudder. So too, the tongue is a tiny part of the body, yet it boasts great things. See how a little fire sets a whole fire, uh, a, a little fire sets a whole forest ablaze? Yes, the tongue is a fire, a world of wickedness. The tongue is so placed in our body that it defiles every part of it, setting ablaze the whole of our life, and it is set on fire by Gehenom itself. Remember, it's not what goes into a man's mouth that makes him defiled or unclean, but what comes out, right? It continues, For people have tamed and continue to tame all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, sea creatures, but the tongue no one can tame. It is an unstable and evil thing full of death-dealing poison. With it we bless Adonai the Father, and with it we, bless, we curse people who were made in the image of God. Out of the same mouth come blessing and cursing. Brothers, it isn't right for things to be this way. A spring doesn't send both fresh and bitter water from the same opening, does it? Can a fig tree yield olives, my brothers, or a, a grapevine figs? Neither does salt water produce fresh. Now, if you agree with James here that we shouldn't be cursing others with the same mouth that we've used to bless the Lord, raise your hand. Okay, so we're all in agreement, right? How many of us have done that before? Why is this? Why have we done this? What happened? Simply, we did not bridle our tongues in that moment, and we fell short. You see, the tongue is such an important thing that we, we, we have to keep on. We have to be consistent and, and bridling it and uh, just keep it in check. We have to remain cognizant and present in conversations that we have, we have right? We, because we don't want to take place in idle speech. Now, our words and our, our thoughts, they should reflect our beliefs and who we represent as the, uh, of the most high, right? Yet we are smack dab in the middle of a culture that not only widely accepts gossip and the misuse of the tongue, but predominantly glorifies it, right? We see it in the media, we see it, which I mean, that's not always a good standard to go by, but we, you know, you see it in the media, you see it in the music, you see it in how politicians talk to one another, 
Um, you can go to any store and you see how tr children treat their parents and just all kinds of different things. But, you know, we, and no doubt we see it in the workplace, in congregations, and in the home. Now, in the Judaic mindset or understanding, what is this kind of language called? Lashon Hara. Lashon Hara. Absolutely. Does anyone know what Lashon Hara is? It's the evil tongue, actually. Lashon tongue. Right. So <clears throat> the thing is, it's, it's not just like gossip, but it kind of basic re basically refers to, uh, encapsulates all misuses of the tongue, backbiting, gossip, slander, all those different kinds of things. Now, you know, God gave us this gift of speech, right? He made us social creatures. But with this gift of speech and, and of the tongue, he also has expectations of how we use it. Now, <clears throat> the Bible is full of instructions and warnings even on this matter about, say, gossip, for example. Can I have someone turn to Proverbs 18.8 and uh, read that nice and loud for me? The words of a talebearer are as wounds, and they go down into the innermost parts of the belly. Absolutely. Do we have um, a different translation by chance? Where did, uh, towards the end of the, that verse, do we have another translation someone could read loudly? Well, translations, they kind of have, they kind of say different things depending on where they come from, but most of it will say the words of a, a slanderer. Thank you very much. Proverbs 18.8. Amen. So it's saying that gossip from a gossiper or slander from a slanderer is much like a tasty morsel, right? So this is what Proverbs warns us, warns us gossip is like. Now, if you don't know what this is, this is a metaphor from Roland's Bakery. I have a whole pile of them in there for you guys today. But right now it's going to be in the negative as I show it. This is what Proverbs warns us gossip is like, right? And it goes down, and it's so sweet, and then it affects you from deep within. Uh, Ian, can I have you grab the, the stuff? Awesome, thank you. I'll show you what gossip really is here in a moment. I'm about to <laughs> I'm about to take off uh, plenty of uh, locals with what I'm about to do. <laughs> so, this is kudzu. Now if you don't know what kudzu is, it is one of the most invasive species of plant. Thank you so much. It is one of the most invasive, noxious weeds on the planet. It is not uh, native here. And what it does, it grows on roadways, it grows over roadways. It, 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 it sends sprigs out, it sends sprigs. And as you can see, that's what it does. It ties up things and it kills forests. And it's all nasty and it's edible. But that's not what we're talking about today. And it ties up things and it's so hard to kill. It's so, so hard to kill. The thing is, you can spray Roundup and some of the most cancer-causing chemicals on there year after year after year, and it takes so much application to actually kill it because once it gets embedded, it's hard to kill. There are some proven ways to kill it, though. 
Uh, one, wait for Yeshua's return. Um, you have goats and a napalm strike. That's about what it takes to, to destroy this stuff. But just like kudzu is hard to kill, gossip, once it gets established, is also hard to kill. Now, I have an uh, excerpt from a book called the Chofetz Chaim. Now, <clears throat> the Chofetz Chaim, uh, this is called A Lesson a Day, the concepts... I actually have a picture up here of it. There we go. Very handsome man there. Uh, the concepts and laws of proper speech arranged for daily study. Now, this uh, work is based on the writings of Rabbi Israel uh, Mir Keegan, better known by the name of his one of his greatest works, the Chofetz Chaim, which translates to the desirer of life. Now, the, the name for this book and his nickname are derived directly from Psalm 34, uh, where it reads, Come, children, hearken to me. I will teach you to fear the Lord. Who is the man who chafetz chaim, who desires life, who loves to see days of goodness? Guard your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceitfully. Shun evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. Now, the excerpt is actually shorter than the introduction for it. And as we uh, read, it's on page 27. Uh, much like the Talmud and other uh, writings, you know, some things you, you know, you can, there's great wisdom in there, but there's also some interpretation and doctrine that's not, um, I wouldn't say aligns with, with our beliefs. So I would, uh, you know, if you eat the fish, eat the meat, but swallow the meat, but spit out the bones. But that's just, uh, just like anything really, and test all things. So the little excerpt, it goes like this. Speech also has another awesome power, and that is to literally redefine reality. Thoughts exist in a separate private sphere. Once articulated, the thought no longer is no longer a private matter. It becomes an item on the world's agenda, something to be agreed or argued, proven or disproven, attended or ignored. A person may work side by side with someone for years, and during that entire time, harbor the thought that the colleague is annoying. For all those years, the thought has had no power or uh, to, to affect anything beyond the person thinking it. Then, one day, this person enters into a conversation with a third coworker and offers his assessment of the other man as annoying. The instant that that thought is released into the world, it sets out on a path of destruction. Now, another person's attention has been drawn to this man's allegedly annoying mannerisms. He loses a little respect for him, identifies him as a little less competent, a little less appealing. <coughs> Inevitably, this new assessment affects their relationship. It creates a bias in the third person's mind, which he will now confirm every time the annoying person does or says anything. And it may go much further. This third person may well share the newfound perception with others, thereby altering their perceptions as well. It's not even necessary that they believe what they hear. Even if they never seriously think about the statement, it seeps into the subconscious and colors their future assessments of this person's behavior. The situation could easily evolve into one which the colleague tagged as annoying feels inexplicably distanced from others. His livelihood, his self-esteem, and even his outlook on life could suffer from the voicing of that one word, annoying. And then the writer adds this, uh, 
Words are the seal, like the seal on which of which Hashem, the, the name uh, God, finalizes his judgments on Yom Kippur. Words give finality to the thoughts and judgments they are expressing. Once spoken, the judgment stands. Um, there's also uh, a story, I'm just going to paraphrase it here, but it's about this man, and he, um, you know, he commits Lashon Horah. He, he speaks ill of his brother. He gossips. He says something he ought not say, something that wasn't his business, perhaps. And he wants to make things right. He, he feels convicted. He knows he's in the wrong. And he's seeking guidance. And uh, you know, he wants to repent. He wants to do Teshuvah. And so anyways, he, he's seeking guidance. And he goes to the Chofetz Chaim, uh, to the rabbi. And he finds him. He says, Rabbi, Rabbi, I have, I've, I've sinned against my brother. I feel so bad. I want to make this right. I want to Teshuvah, make this right. How, how do I do that? What should I do? And so <clears throat> the rabbi, he says, OK. Go home and grab a pillow. The man says, grab a pillow? He says, he kind of looks at him and he says, okay, well, I'm not going to fight with the rabbi. Okay, I'll go home and grab a pillow. So the man, he, he goes across town. He goes into his house and he says hi to his wife. And then he goes up the stairs real quick and he grabs his, his nice pillow, his nice fluffy pillow he uses every night. And then he walks back down the steps. And as he's about to walk out the door, his wife is saying, says to him, well, what are you doing with that pillow? He says, I'm just, the rabbi wants me to bring this pillow. I don't, I don't understand. And she's like, well, you better bring it back, okay? And he's like, okay, uh, love you. And then so he leaves, walks across town, walks into the synagogue, and he finds the, the rabbi over there in the corner reading something. He says, okay, rabbi, I have my, I have my pillow. I, I don't quite understand how this helps me make things right uh, with my brother. The rabbi says, okay, follow me. And so he, he kind of, you know, walks up. He steps and he leads him, and he, uh, there's this little stoop there, and he grabs this knife, and uh, he's, he's walking up there. And finally, he leads the man out up to the roof. The man's very confused. He's like, okay, I don't understand. It's not adding up. Anyways, he gets led to the, the edge of the, uh, the roof there on top of the synagogue, and he says, okay, Rabbi, what, what am I to do with this pillow, and why are you holding a knife? And he says, okay, here's the knife. I want you to cut your pillow open and expose the feathers. And he's like, uh, what? This is my brand new pillow. I just, I spent money on this. He said, go ahead and cut it. He's like, okay. And he opens it up and exposes all the feathers that are inside. And then the rabbi says, okay, I want you to take all those feathers, pick them up, and throw them off the roof. He's like, what? Okay. So he picks up all these feathers and he throws them off the roof. And right when he does that, a big gust of wind just goes and they go everywhere. They're in the rabbi's beard. They're all the way down the road, miles and miles away. They're on the rooftop. They're in the trees. They're in the grass. There's a rabbit over there sniffing one. There's all kinds. They're everywhere. And the man is just confused. He says, Rabbi, I don't understand. How is this to help me learn how to make things right for my brother to, to touch the to repent? And the rabbi says, okay, step one. I want you to go collect every single one of those feathers and bring them all back into this one place so they're all counted for and we know where they went, where they've gone. The man, he throws up his hands. He's like, Rabbi, I, I surrender. Okay, I, it is impossible. They're everywhere. They're, they're on the roof. The little rabbit's smelling them over there. They're all the way down the road. They're everywhere. I can't possibly do that. I don't understand. And the rabbi says, exactly. This is the way it goes. This is how making things right with, with gossip goes. It's, you, can't, you can't possibly do it. And so anyways, the, the whole idea of the story is we don't truly know where gossip goes and what the destruction it's left is like after we've, you know, how that destruction is after it's left our lips.
<clears throat> so that's just a mild explanation of how destructive and divisive gossip can be, just for example. Now, can I have uh, someone read Proverbs 6, 16 through 19, nice and loud for me. Okay, so him who causes strife amongst brothers. Is gossip not decisive, divisive? It causes so much headache, and it, can, it, it, is, it, is, it is just a fire, just like James had talked about. It's just a little fire can set a whole force ablaze. And guess what? This is something that God hates, right? That's exactly what it says. It's something that God hates, and even our Messiah, he spoke about this, you know, actually where this behavior and this 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 thinking and kind of speech stems from it's uh, recorded in Matthew 12 that he said for the mouth speaks from which fills the heart a good good person brings out of his good treasure good things and the evil person brings out of his evil treasure evil things but I tell you that for every careless word that people speak they will give an account for it on the day of judgment. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. So obviously, we want to please God with our, our words and how we speak to others, and even how we speak about him. Now, I've had a problem with, say, gossip and things of that nature in the past. Um, I used to cuss like a sailor, all kinds of things like that. And um, I'm still working on, on some things. And it's one of those things you can't just, it's not like you just take a magic pill and then all of a sudden it's gone. You have to stay on it. Now, uh, one verse that really helped me was with uh, Proverbs 15:28. This is a really good start if you're having this problem or if you're, if you're still in the, well, if you're going to be in the battle as long as you're alive. So you might as well read this. Now, I actually have it up here. It says, the heart of the godly the heart of the godly thinks carefully before speaking, but the mouth of the wicked overflows with evil. Now let's pause for a second because we see we keep seeing the word heart over and over again. See, it says the heart, not the mouth, the heart of the godly speak, uh, thinks carefully before speaking. Here it says, for the mouth speaks from which fills the heart. I wasn't sure if that was going to work. But anyways, it's a heart issue, guys. It's very serious. It's not, you know, like diarrhea of the mouth. It's, it, it, your, your lips, only they're only a tool. It comes from somewhere. And that's what our Messiah, what God says, comes from the heart. Okay, so the heart of the godly thinks carefully before speaking. Okay, so if we're talking to someone, right? And we have a moment to where we can say something that's perhaps juicy gossip or it's something that can hurt that person, right? Snide remark or something or hurt another person. But since we're godly people, right? We're trying to be holy people. Okay, we've stopped. We've thought about what we're going to say. What are we going to say? We're going to say something good, right? <laughs> we're going to say something good. And uh, as holy set apart people, what should our words do? 
Let me, let me phrase it to, to you that way. Edify, okay? Our words should edify. We have any others. What should our words do as, as ambassadors of the kingdom? Heal. Bring Heal. Bring life. Speak life. Right? It should edify. It should encourage others. It should lift. We should be lifting each other up, right? And it should be loving, you know? What is love? What is love? Right? <laughs> love is patient. Love is kind. Kind, generous. It, it does not boast, right? It does not glow over other people's sins, but it takes great delight in the truth. Love always bears up, always endures, and uh, always hopes, right? And guess what? We're not left in the Lord's we It's not like we don't have any examples of what godly, what this godly kind of speech is, right? We have so many examples in the Bible of people using godly speech. Besides God and Yeshua, Excluding them, we have others, other created beings that have used this kind of godly speech. Do we have any any examples we can think of? Uh, yes, Ms. I just Suzanne. love this scripture. Proverbs 25, 11. A word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in settings of silver. Amen. Amen. And they really are. And um, Absolutely. But right, so in this theme of, of godly speech and what our, our speech should do, what our words should do, I just thought of a, a couple examples I have up here. We have in Samuel 1, 25, uh, you know, Dave, uh, Abigail gives David wise counsel and encourages him. In uh, Esther 4, Mordecai encourages Esther in her calling. In John 4, our uh, Yeshua, um, he comforts the woman at the well, right? He comforts her. He removes her shame. He speaks life into her. Uh, you know, she had all this shame, and she had been married four times and, and, and all that, these different things. But then also, uh, this is one of my all-time favorites, uh, in, you know, John chapter 21, just a little bit later in the book, you know, we have Yeshua comforting Peter. This is post-crucifixion. He's comforting him, and he's encouraging him and reminding him who he is, right? And not only that, guys, it's not that he just said some nice things. Think, okay, let's get into Peter's shoes, right? It's probably size 11, I don't know. But let's think about where he was in that moment, okay? He was probably like in the depths of despair. This is Im- immediately after the biggest, um, the, the, the biggest just goof of his life, right? The, the biggest, um, what's that? Yeah, yeah, that's, that's a nice way. The biggest failure of his life, right? And he denied Yeshua three times, right? Which we've all done in our, in our own ways. That's why we need him. But he had denied him, and he, can you imagine all the guilt and the heaviness he felt at that point? I mean, Judas knew he was in the wrong too, and he, he hung himself. And so Peter is just like broken, and he's down in the dumps. And Yeshua could have easily just kicked him while he was down. But what did he do? He encouraged him, he loved him, and he said, hey, you're going to be my guy. Remember, I told you, you need to lead these guys, and you need to share this message of love, because I forgive you, and I love you. And I told you what you were going to do, and I told you that I was going to still love you, despite, you know, falling through, falling short. And so, <clears throat> looking to our Messiah and, and his interaction, that's a, that's a really good way to, uh, I mean, it's what we should do, to walk as he walked. Now, essentially, speaking life to others, speaking with a purpose, and not allowing ourselves to become uh, involved in idle speech is a godly concept and a godly thing to do, is it not? 
and we have to we have to keep the tongue in check at all times. And I'll guarantee you, guarantee you, if you don't keep that dog on the leash, it's going to get away from you, and it's going to bite someone. So let's learn to to bridle our tongues, right? Okay, so let's go ahead and get back into James chapter three. We'll pick up at uh, verse thirteen. See that cubs? He was trying to get me. He's trying to get me. Let's be careful. Amen. All right, everyone there. Verse 13. Who among you is wise in understanding? Let him demonstrate it by his good way of life, by actions done in humility that grows out of wisdom. Okay, where do we find wisdom? Right here. And what is the beginning of all wisdom? The fear of God. Ah, proud of you guys. Read your Bibles. (laughs) It continues. But if you harbor in your hearts bitter jealousy, selfish ambition, don't boast and attack the truth with lies. This wisdom is not the kind that comes down from above. On the contrary, contrary, it is worldly, unspiritual, and demonic. Let's stop right there. Let me reiterate what he's saying. He's saying that this behavior of selfish ambition and jealousy is not of God. What it is is unspiritual and demonic. Demonic meaning influenced by Satan, right? Now, we see this in the world and how people act. Isn't like selfish ambition and jealousy, isn't that the fuel of the world? Isn't that what keeps the, wake some people up? They just wake up to, to be fueled by that, right? That's just the way of the world. This, this world where they, they raise up their children to only focus on themselves, their careers, their investments, their their comforts, their wants and desires with no end in the pursuit of pleasure and comfort from the things of the world. Uncontent with very little focus, if any, on what they can do for the kingdom and how they can serve others. And it's pitiful. And we see that. Now, I'm not saying that you shouldn't, I'm not saying that you, you shouldn't uh, take care of your family and yourself. But what I am warning you of is not becoming so worldly and selfish to where you can't help anyone else because it doesn't benefit you. And I'm sure we all know people like that. I kind of used to be that way, believe it or not, at one point. And it's, it's pitiful. It's what it is. So that is the way of the world. And, and remember, do not be conformed by the ways of the world, but be transformed absolutely by the renewing of your mind. Let's go ahead and read on. For where there are jealousy and selfish ambition, there will be disharmony in every foul practice. But the wisdom from above is, first of all, it's pure, then peaceful, kind, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality. What's partiality? Where, where did we hear that last? Well, we heard it last. Absolutely. There was favoritism in the, the lesson we learned last week. There was favoritism shown to the seemingly rich man over the poor man. Well, FYI, that's not of God. That is not going to happen in the kingdom. Start from the top here. It says, but the wisdom from above is first of all pure and peaceful. It is kind. It is open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. And peacemakers who sow a seed in peace raise a harvest of righteousness. 
Amen. How many of you uh, remember a time before you were following in God's ways? And how you felt? Did you feel perhaps fearful? Just constantly anxious? Worried about little things? Angry? Prone to anger? Things like that? Compared to now where there's this, this content that is just wonderful to be content and, and just bask in, in God's wonderful blessings of joy and this blessed assurance. You know, blessed assurance. You know, all those wonderful things, right, that only come from him, right? The peace that only comes from God and not from the world. It's not, you're not going to find that peace in the world, yet people try to search it out. They try to find it through different means and it's just an empty pit. It's a, as I've heard, heard it said, it's a God-sized heart that you're trying to fill with the world, and it's never gonna, it's never gonna work. It's never gonna work. But we want to extend this blessing and, and, and understanding to as many people as we can, right? We we have been called to be that that light in the darkness, right? So others can see our good works and glorify our Father in heaven. And that's, that's what we're here for, right? We want them to say, that's what right looks like, right? No glory for us, right? The glory is not, it's not to us. It's to the one who saved us. It's to God. And so we want to, I urge you to be that light in the darkness, right? Times are getting ever so darker, but we don't have to worry about it because this world is going to go away. It's going to be renewed, right? And heaven is coming. So with that, I just... I, I want to just remind you guys, be that light in the darkness so that others see our good works and glorify our Father in heaven for it. Now, there's way too much scripture and too many concepts to go over about the tongue today, but I'm glad we at least had a chance to you know, touch the, the tip of the iceberg or better yet, the uh, tip of the tongue. Anyways, <laughs> I hope you've been blessed by this and uh, that this just, this just, keeps you going, right, to, to love one another and learn how to bear each other's burdens and um, to especially watch our tongues because it's so easy. But like I said, you let that dog off the leash, it's going to get away from you. And we have to be ever so present and be right there with it. And pretty much hold your tongue at all times and then when appropriate, I guess, let it go. Or I don't know, whatever. But just make sure that you're present. Now, as we go ahead and uh, get our mouths and tongues ready for another use, being eating tasty food, uh, do we have any questions or comments? Anyone that like to add or uh, perhaps emotional outbursts? Uh, yes, Michael. Uh, another example of someone in the Bible who held their tongue is, I forget which book it's in, but where he's mentioning that Michael, the archangel, when disputing with Satan, the body knows they're not bringing a accusation against him. Ah, yes. Yeah. Very good. Yeah, yeah. Michael, uh, the archangel, he didn't, he didn't bring any accusation against Satan when they're fighting. Was it over Moses' body? Yes. Yeah, that's a good example. Yeah, yes. And that's your son, yeah. <laughs> I thought you guys looked a lot alike. Yeah. They had to tell him everything he knows. Yeah, good deal. Good deal. Do we have uh, anything else? Any questions? Oh, yes, James. Oh, amen. Hey, I'm, I'm just going along with what it says in here. Just, just, just talking. It. That's, that's all the God. So, amen, amen. Yes, ma'am. What is, what would be like a good example of 
like your suggestion for, you know, like say somebody says to you, what do you know about this person? And you know that that person is, is bad news and very toxic. How do you, you know, express like, be careful, watch yourself without being gossipy? Do you know what I mean? Without sharing right. information that's not yours to share or, but to be, you know, help somebody in your mind. Absolutely, because it's, in, it's interesting. Gossip, you know, you have, it's a slippery slope, and you have some people that say, oh, well, if it's true, it ain't gossip. That's not true at all, because I was, we were talking about it the other night, and gossip, it can be, say, say for instance, Hannah. Hannah, so this, is the, this, is, this sounds positive, right? Which it is, right? Oh, Hannah is so blessed. She has, right, she has $3 million in her bank account. God has blessed her so much, right? That's, that's great, but it's probably not, she might not want anyone to know that, right? Here's where the negative can come in, right? This is getting deeper and deeper into the, to the kudzu. Oh yeah, no, that she's she's been so blessed. Oh wait a second, you know that doesn't make that's so weird. She I think she's stingy, you know, because she didn't give to that poor man that we saw on the road the other day, and she knew that the fellowship we were raising money to to give to so and so, and she didn't. I didn't see her name in the ballots. Man, she's stingy. Boom, you're getting deeper and deeper in the weeds, and. Um, it's very wise to, to try to learn how not to do that because it's so easy and embedded in our culture. But say there's someone um, that uh, you're, you're talking about a third person who's not there and they are difficult, we can say. Um, the Proverbs, I would go right to the Proverbs. There's so many. Uh, sometimes it's just, <laughs> there's a commercial with Kay Ivey where she was talking about, oh, oh, yeah. talking about Biden and she says that her parents raised her to not say anything at all if she didn't have anything nice to say. So the commercial just goes, oh, and she says, oh, Biden, bless his heart. And that's it. Sometimes it's just like that. And it's, it really, I guess, depends on the concept. But um, it's, it, it depends, I guess it depends on wh- where it is and like who, who you're talking about um, and if it's really going to be detrimental to a situation. But if it's just like, oh, yeah, it's a new coworker. And they're like, oh, how's the manager, you know? I mean, you might reword, maybe not say that, you know, something derogatory or anything like that, but maybe say, um, she's, she's strict, you know, something like that. Um, but I, I look at uh, synonyms, <laughs> correct synonyms, uh, uh, but I hope that helps you. hope that helps you, absolutely. All right, any other questions or anything like that? Amen. All right, we'll, we'll go ahead and break for Onik. We'll go ahead and uh, do the blessing over the, the, uh, the bread.